All right, on the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to ask the question, can we find the original church today? Interesting question. I think it's an important question. Um, there's a lot of religious organizations out there in the world. I mean, thousands, obviously. There's, a, there's several thousand that identify themselves as Christian. Are any of them, can, can you find any of them that are like the church that you read about in the Bible? Uh, I think that's an important question, but maybe we'll have to start out our discussion by asking, does it even matter? Yeah, we might back up. Do I care to find the, a church like the original? Does it matter? And, and does God care does whether God the care? church today is like the church was originally? Those are the kind of things we want to talk about on the Virtual Bible And if I can find one, what's it going to look like today? Yeah. What is it going to be? be? It'd be sort of like a, a searching for a missing person. What would be the identifying characteristics? If you if you have a missing person and you're trying to find them, you, you give a description of what they look like and maybe how they talk, how they walk. How does what was it? What would the original church look like if we were going to go back and try to find it in the world today? What would be the identifying characteristics that we would search for? All right, can we find the original church today? Does it matter? And if we can find the original, what does it look like? We'll talk about that on the virtual Bible study. We'll go right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March 16th, 2017. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Uh, Josh McCord is behind the controls tonight. Josh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Looking forward to some comments from you as well. Looking forward to hearing from you. If you're listening to us live, the bottom of your video feed there, if you're on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, is a chat room where you can sign in with other listeners. Guest 742 is it's uh, his or her first time here. Glad to have you, 742. And we want to hear from you as well. Sign in with other listeners. You can go anonymous like 742, or you can give a, put a name there so we can hear your comments tonight. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use, and 877-381-4567 is the telephone number you can use if you'd like to speak with us on the program tonight. As we mentioned, we're talking about uh, uh, the question, can we find the original church today? Lots of churches out there, thousands of them, and all kinds of flavors. Any kind of church you're looking for, uh, on my way here, I pass a biker church. And a lot of that's sort of kind of popular. Not too long ago, we talked about a uh, cowboy church. Cowboy church. Yeah. But then, of course, there's all kinds of traditional religious groups right. that are out there. The orthodox, the not-so-orthodox. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what about it? Can you find one like the original? All right, so that's what we want to talk about on the Virtual Bible Study. We always send out on Thursday an update to our those who are on our email list. And if you're on our email list today, you would have got an update just shortly before noon telling you about our topic for discussion tonight, giving you some things to think about, and maybe helping you to be able to participate in our discussion. We always think our study is better when we have lots of audience participation. And uh, so uh, uh, you know, if you're not on our email Email update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Um, I would like to get a little bit of feedback from our, in our chat room. Are you getting our feed? I'm having a little trouble connecting up to it, Jacob. I'm okay. not sure we're right. there. 
All right, go ahead. Um, we'll, we'll we'll work on that. I think we're, I think we're getting out okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, just give us a, if you hear us, uh, let us know. All right. So, can you find the original church today? Is it possible? You know, we're in a world where there's all kinds of religious practice out there, and uh, lots of varying practices that might even put the name Christian on them. Sure. Can you find one that's any semblance of what the New Testament church would have looked like? Yeah, let's let's start out by asking, would God care that we did? Would it matter to God if we were like the original church? And I would start out that, that, that discussion by simply asking, uh, why wouldn't we want to be like the church initially? And... Um, what would God say about it? You know, God, I think we find out that uh, God is a God of details. God really cares sure. about how things are done. Yeah. And we could go to the Old Testament. And I've always often thought it's very interesting in, in, a, in a section of the Old Testament that's almost hard to read through because God gives so much details about how yeah. he wanted them to make the tabernacle. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, uh, when they got to Mount Sinai, God met with Moses on Mount Sinai. He gave him the law, including the Ten Commandments. But a whole lot of that information involved building the place of worship and how they would build it and how it would be constructed. And very fine details about the all the the ins and outs of the construction, the making of that tabernacle. Also about the priests and their clothing and the high priest and how he was to be dressed. Uh we don't we don't worship in the tabernacle today, and we don't dress up like the high priest did. But I do think there's something valuable to learn from that, that we're serving a God who is a God of details. Pages and pages and pages and detail after detail after detail about how to, for instance, build the tabernacle. And this was a temporary tent that they were moving around, and yet God gave explicit details. Well, I tell you what, I mean, if you ever have an insomnia, that is a good cure, because, I mean, it just goes on and on. About all these details about the post and the knobs and the and the curtains and but it was important to God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter eight verse five, uh, we're talking about talking about uh, Moses and the tabernacle. Moses was divinely instructed Hebrews eight verse five when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, "This being God, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain." God gave him the pattern. Didn't say, "Well, you just do it any way you want." He said, I'm giving you the pattern, and you better stick to that pattern. You better do it the way I said to do it. Yeah. So now, if that is what God is like, and we come to the New Testament, why would we imagine that God would be any different than that? I mean, what has changed about God? I mean, we don't serve under the same law, but we serve the same God. And therefore, why would we think that God now doesn't care about details? He told us what to do, and he told us how to do it. A lot of times I think people just say, well, yeah, but that doesn't really matter and God doesn't really care. To those people, we would offer the challenge, explain to us what is different about God and yeah. and why he did care then but wouldn't care today whether we do what he says the way he says to do it. All right. Uh, is it important today? Do we really need to find the church we can read about in the New Testament? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching us in the live feed tonight, wherever that may be, YouTube, Facebook, our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, sign in and uh, send your comments in a chat room. All right. Well, um, again, I, I think it's a worthy question to those who don't think it matters, why why do you think it doesn't matter? You know, 
when I authorize someone to do something at my house, for instance, let's say that I'm going to hire a contractor at my house. Yep. Uh, I've, I've used the example before. Let's say that I'm, I'm heading off for a week of vacation. I've actually got a neighbor who's in the painting business. Mm-hmm. And so I tell John, my neighbor, I say, you know, while I'm gone, I want you to paint my house and I'd like to have it done when I get back from vac- vacation, you know, and cause uh, all the mess will be out of the way and it, oh man, it'll be great. And I want you to paint this house white. I'd like you to paint the shutters green and the, and the doors and the trim. And so I leave on vacation. When I come back from vacation, sure enough, the painting job is done, but it's, it, the house is painted gray and the shutters are painted blue. So I talked to my neighbor, John, and I said, John, what have you done here? What's up, John? And he says, well, I didn't think you really cared. And, uh, and I kind of like it this way. My, you know, to me, there's lots of white houses. This is different. It's kind of unique. I like it better. So it's what I did. You know, well, uh, two things. I, I, I might have, as the one who has authorized this painting job, there's two things I might do. One, there's, there's the, at least a slight possibility I could say, hey, I like it. I like it better than what I, what I told you to do, yep. here's your money. Yep. But I think a far greater possibility will be, I say, John, I'm not paying you because I'm. I, I, that's not what I wanted. You didn't do what I told you to do. Yep. Yep. You're not getting any pay. Yep. Now, we would operate that way between human beings. Why would we think we should operate differently with God? Take it upon ourselves to say, hey, here's a plan that I like better. God, I, I like doing it this way better than the way you said to do it. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna change the, the, the elements of worship. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the particulars of it. I'm gonna teach something different, doctrinally, morally. Uh, you know, we're just gonna change this up because we think we like it better. Yeah. And it's it, it works for us. Yeah. How about this? You know, it's uh, about time to start cutting the grass. And Josh, you pull your lawnmower out of the garage, and it's uh, it won't start. So you know what? That carburetor got clogged again. So you take it apart, and uh, you start to work on this carburetor. Now, the guy who designed that was he was paid good money, and he went to school a long time to figure out how to make that carburetor work just exactly the way it needed to work. When you take that thing apart, you're very careful. You don't just go in there and start taking parts out and throwing them across the garage. You're very careful. You put them out there where exactly where they so you know exactly where they came out. When you put it back together, you're going to be very careful to put that back together exactly the way it was built because the guy who designed that carburetor knows a lot more about it than you do, and uh, you're willing to follow his pattern, his design, because you know that he's the one uh, who knows how to make that work. Same true for our, goes for the church. Yeah, it only it only works one way, the way that it was made and designed to work, and that's the only option we've got. We can't so, start redesigning it. And that's really what it gets down to. Who knows better about the church? Me, the way I want to do it, or the way that some presbytery wants to do it, or some uh, uh, diocese or some governing agency wants to do, or the way that I, that the God designed it and, wants it and says it should work. Which is best, and it really gets down to a question as simple as that. 877-381-4567. All right. Maybe we ought to grab a quick break, Jacob, because we've got some streaming problems going on. Let's see if we can get that straight now. Let's grab a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about how we would find the church. If it is that important to find it, how would we find it? All right. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. 
A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't complain about how the ball bounces if you're the one who dropped it. If my thoughts are only on the coming of the next harvest, I should plant grain. If my thoughts are on the next half century, I should plant trees. But if I'm wise enough to set my thoughts on eternity, I should plant truth deep within my heart and the hearts of all who will heed it. Except I plant truth, I labor in vain. When we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. I like those uh, quotes there yeah, about uh, thinking about the future, planting trees, or thinking about this year, playing crosswood. You're thinking about eternity. you got to... Yeah. Like the Word of God. Yeah, I like that. And, yeah. uh, that's what we need to be dedicated to. And we're talking about uh, tonight to finding the original church. Is it important? And uh, should we even be concerned about it? And if so, how could we find... The original church. Yeah, uh, just to reintroduce our subject because I think our archive maybe uh, won't won't cover the first few minutes of our program. What we're talking about is finding the original church. Is it identifiable today? We we've been talking and we won't go through all that again. But we've been talking about the fact that surely God, who is definitely a God of details, would also care that we do what we do today. The way he told us to do it. He yeah. was very much that kind of a God in the Old Testament. And there's not any reason to believe that he's a different kind of God today. He's a God of details. Therefore, right. we need to look to his word, uh, find out uh, what what he wanted and do it that way. You know, as we said earlier, there's just thousands of different religious organizations. And in, in, in our country in particular, and lots of places in the world, uh, there's a lot of them that identify as Christian. In fact, a little later in our program, when we get to this week's uh, trends uh, topic, uh, there's, there's more self-identified Christians in the world than any other religion. Muslims are catching up, right? But they won't catch up with us uh, in in sheer numbers uh, among those who identify as Christians for probably another thirty or forty years. Mm-hmm. But among all those who identify as Christians and all the religious groups that call themselves followers of Christ, among them all, can we find a church that is like the church that we read about in the pages of the New Testament? We've already discussed that we think it's a, an important pursuit that we definitely need to be trying to find that. And so um, can we find it? What would we do? Uh, 
All right. How would it look today? Well, I, again, as we said earlier, I think this is sort of like how we would do a missing persons search. Uh, if if a person goes missing and you want people to, to be looking for him or her, what you do is you put out a description. You you, you give some identifying characteristics. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's uh, uh, got red hair. Uh, he he has a short beard. Uh, um, maybe he walks with a limp, you know, who, maybe he's got a scar on his forehead, all, all different. But anything that you could identify at, that would make him unique and different from others that you might see out in a crowd, you would list those things. And I really think that that's what we've got to do when we're looking for the church that we read about in the New Testament. So what are some of those identifying characteristics? Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, responded tonight with an email. He says, yes, one can find the type of church like the one we read about in the New Testament. Christ stated he would build his church, Matthew 16, 8 through 19. All of the saved are added to the church, Acts 2, verse 47, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Christ is the Savior of such, Ephesians 5, 23. The term Savior not only denotes the fact of one who delivers, in the case of Christ delivering from sin, the term also denotes the concept of preservation. Such implies that Christ has preserved a collectivity of people who follow the New Testament pattern. Such is not accomplished unconditionally, as falsely affirmed by Calvinism, but rather by individuals in their own free will choosing to follow the instructions of God in the New Testament. Obedience to this system not only brings individuals into this body of saved individuals, collectively speaking, it also preserves those these individuals to act in locally local, collectively independent functioning units, that is, local churches. And so Kent says if Christ was going to build his church, then certainly that would be something that we'd want to look for today, yeah. the church that he built. In the chat room, Philip uh, from uh, West Virginia says, uh, the Apostle Paul says that the church declares the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians 3, verse 10. Think about that for a minute. If the church is is displaying God's wisdom, why would we say, I got a better way? I could do it differently, and I think I could improve upon it. If it's the wisdom of God, it cannot be improved upon. I think that's a good point to make. And then he goes on to say, well, and, it's, and it was God's internal purpose that the church function in this way to declare his manifold wisdom. Now, if that's his eternal purpose... Why would we say, well, we could come up with a church in the last 50, 100, 200, 300, 400 years that's better than God's eternal purpose? Yeah. Something to think about. Uh, Philip goes on to say, as far as finding the true real church, we need to remember the words of the Apostle Paul to test all things, as he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. So when we put things to the test and follow the pattern, we can find the church. And he says, Jesus said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18, and any worthwhile builder will follow a pattern and remember Jesus is the son of God, but also the son of a carpenter and hence a wise master builder. I think those are great thoughts, Philip. All right. And then uh, guest 6742 says we could probably find some that look like the ones in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Now, there's an idea. You know, certainly not just any church goes, uh, Josh. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus has a lot of words to say about just any old church. He's looking for specific qualities. Right. So, okay. uh, Josh is working the night shift. i I got to give him a little break here. <laughs> yes, sir. He's a little tired tonight. <laughs> so what, what I was going to say was I don't know why we why would one not want to find Christ's church. You know, Acts 20 verse 28 mentions this church that he purchased with his own blood. And we're talking about the pattern that it was uh, built according to. I think a lot of effort needs to go to find that church and to avoid 
the churches that are mentioned in or bad qualities mentioned in Revelation two and three. Yeah, you, right. you know what you were saying, Josh. You know, if 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 this was something, you know, for instance, even me, I was I was talking earlier about maybe I hire somebody to do something for me. If it's something that's not real valuable to me, you know, uh, you know, if I if I just paid the kid down the street to mow my yard and I wanted him to mow the stripes this way, but he actually mowed the stripes this way. Yeah, they'll grow out. Yeah, yeah and that's not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's not that important. So if it, you know, and I'm only paying him ten bucks anyway, you know. Probably, well, that's a deal. Man. I, probably, I probably should pay yeah, him twenty, get, but yeah, I'm just paying him. It's there. just, it's just, it's not a big deal, and it's not worth a lot. So I'm not too worried about it. But on the other hand, if I spent my life's savings to buy a house, I'm not going to let somebody just come in and mess it up, right? Now you just mentioned Christ purchased the church with His blood. Well, how important is that? Right. And and uh, therefore. Why would we presume to think we can change the details of what he purchased with his blood? That's just, I I don't know if we can get this concept across to people today, but we really need to. We should not feel that we have the authority. We should not act so presumptuously as to imagine that we can change something from the way it's laid out in the Word of God. Guess 742 goes on and references Revelation 2.15, where Jesus says, Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. They were doing things, and they were calling it Christianity, and yet they had this doctrine that Jesus hated. Now, do I want to be a part of a church that has a doctrine that Jesus hated? And you go down the street, this church, that church, they've got their doctrines and covenants, and they all differ. So how do I know that this doctrine that they have is not something that Jesus hates? I've got to be very... No, well, there's actually an answer to that question. The, yeah. only re- the only way you could be sure that we're not practicing a doctrine that Jesus hates is to practice the doctrine there laid out go. in the Word of God. There you go. All right. Uh, Kevin agrees. He says, what if this was the pattern for a house? Would we follow the instructions given? Sure. We'd have well, you to. You pay the architect to design it because he knows what he's doing, but nah, I don't think it needs that beam there. We can move that wall a little bit. It won't cause any problem. No, hold on a minute here. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so let's talk about some of these identifying characteristics of the New Testament church. The first one, and you know, this, actually, Jacob, the the idea of this is a really old sermon that's been around for a long time, basically the identifying characteristics of the New Testament church. What would you be looking for to find this missing person, to find this church that, that was started in the... Uh, uh, pages of the New Testament. Well, that's really the first characteristic. If you're going to find the true New Testament church, you're going to have to find a church that started in the first century. You know, it's, I think it's kind of interesting, a lot of denominational groups, if you go, for instance, if you were to go to the, to the homepage of the uh, United Methodist Church, uh, they would acknowledge their origins in the... Uh, Reformation movement in Europe in the 1600s, probably. Yeah, right. Um, and they would talk about some men who got it started. Well, you know, 400 years ago, at the outside, maybe 500 years ago. That's a long time that's ago. a long time ago. Yeah. Not nearly long enough ago. No, it's 1,500 years after the church was established. Yeah, because we're looking, if, if we're going to find the church that we read about in the pages of the New Testament, it would have to be a church that began in the first century. On the, in fact, on the, we know the day, on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. There was not a Lutheran church on the day of Pentecost. There wasn't a Methodist church on the day of Pentecost. And they, and they even acknowledge that. Right. But does that matter? 
we think it does because we want to be like that church that Jesus died to establish, and he established it on the first century. Now, obviously, if it wasn't there on the day of Pentecost, it's different than what Jesus established. Does it matter that Jesus purchased the church with his blood, but yet that's not the church that I'm a part of today? It's a question I've got to ask. You know, um, one of the things, one of the points that we make about this is that we, we've already referenced a couple of times in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom. I think it's real important there that Jesus synonymously used church and kingdom. I think a lot of people in the religious world have missed that point, too. and That's a whole other discussion. But when the Bible talks about the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is equated with the church of our Lord. Now, uh, in regards to that, in Mark chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus said, Verily I say to you, there be some of them that stand here, that shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. So the kingdom is the church. And Jesus said it was going to come in those people's lifetime. So it wasn't something that would come along 100 years later, 500 years later, 1,500 years later. Jesus said, I'll build my church. It is the, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. That kingdom is going to come within your lifetime. He told the apostles in Acts 1, verse 8, you stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. And then uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came upon them. That power came upon them. They spoke with other tongues. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. So uh, I don't think we have any problem on this first identifying trait of the church we're looking for. We've got to look for a church that dates back not four, five, six hundred years ago, but 2,000 years ago to the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. As Kent mentioned in his email, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If God is adding to the church in the first century, then obviously the church exists in the first century, and I want to be a part of the church that was existing on the day of Pentecost in the first century. Uh, In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he says, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus was on earth, he says, It's very expression at hand, meaning it's coming. It's right right nearby. When Paul wrote Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Past tense. And so Paul Jesus was saying the kingdom's at hand. It came. When Paul was writing to the church at Colossae, he said, it has come, and we have been translated into it. So, uh, you know, if, if someone said, oh, I don't think you can put a date on when the church started, can you? Yeah, yeah, we actually can. We can actually go to the day when it started. Yeah, all right. And that's what we want to be a part of, that church that was in existence there, because... Quite frankly, I can't read about a Baptist church in the Bible that wasn't in existence on the first century, in the first century on the day of Pentecost. I've got to make sure that I'm a part of that church that was established then. Yeah. So and, how does and, it look? Yeah. So, again, it? you know, simple question to ask to those who are listening. Ask your ask your preacher, when did, when did this church start? In other words, you, you, let's, let's say you go to your to your normal place on Sunday and just ask that simple question, when when did this church start? Now, we're not talking about the local congregation. For instance, the local congregation here at College View can, can date back. Uh, we could trace our beginnings of this congregation to only, you know, uh, 40 years ago or so, uh, maybe 50 years ago. 
But we're not talking about the local congregation. We're talking about the church of which we are a member. And if, if, if we're owing allegiance to a church that does not claim its origins in the first century, then it's, then it's not the right church. All right. Why don't we get a break at this week's bullet point, and uh, when we get back, then we'll continue the discussion. What are some other ways that we can find it? That's one way. The date, how old is it, when was it established? But there are many, many other ways that I can look at the church that maybe I'm a member of, compare it with what I read about in the Bible to determine if this is a church like the church I read about in the New Testament, like the church Jesus died to establish that he gave his blood for. We want to talk about that. We'll get this week's bullet point and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. All godly parents are concerned about bringing up their children to be good, God-fearing people. Of course, we're even commanded to do so, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Consistency is an essential key in bringing up faithful children, An obvious area where this consistency needs to be seen is in the matter of attendance. If you allow your kids to miss the worship services in order to be at a ball game, you are teaching them that the ball game is more important than the Lord. If you let them skip the assemblies for school functions, band trips, dramas or plays, or to go camping, fishing or hunting, in all of these ways you are demonstrating that there are things that are more important than God. If you fail to worship when you're traveling or on vacation, you're showing them that serving God is something you do only when it's convenient. If you let them take part-time jobs that interfere with their attendance, you're giving them a clear sign that work and career considerations are higher in priority than spiritual things. Many parents who are violating the principles just stated will scoff at these warnings. Yet the personal experiences of many people, as well as the plain teachings of God's word, indicate that this is the truth. Joshua had it right when he said, quote, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse 15. There would be no compromise in Joshua's family. He would lead them in a consistent, faithful path. Let's imitate his example of consistency. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E.com. It's a good place for you to find out more about us, what we believe and what we practice. And, you know, we're trying to be like that church we read about in the New Testament. We think we've got it right, but we could be wrong. If you see things that you disagree with, let us know. We'd love to study with you and have a discussion with you. We could do it over email. Or we can do it in person, or uh, you tell us how you'd like to study. We'd like to study with you. I had, a, I had a little email exchange with a listener who listened to our program last week and disagreed with some of the conclusions that we reached, and we we hashed it back and forth on email a little bit. Some, but we'd also be glad that if you hear, even tonight, for instance, if you hear something you disagree about, uh, we'd be glad to entertain you in a on-air on live episode or or your preacher, if you know, if and we're not setting ourselves up here as the know-it-alls or the ones who have everything figured out. We we're not claiming inerrancy here at all. We haven't. We want to have Bible study and discussion so that we can all come to a better understanding yeah, of the truth. The, the fellow who emailed me this week said that he got he he. I, I'm sad. I'm sorry that he got the impression, but he he got the impression that we were claiming that we were able to perfectly keep the law of God. 
we were talking last week about situation ethics and uh, and that we never want to come across with that impression that we are sinlessly perfect or for that matter that we are perfect in our interpretation of the bible we're trying real hard but there's certainly room for error and and if we're in error we need to be corrected uh, right and so we definitely are open to that uh, possibility uh, so if you disagree with something you've heard and you think we've got it wrong let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven anytime or questions at collegeu dot com. Or if you just maybe maybe you just want to come and be a part of the program and uh, and and study with us. Questions at collegeu dot com. We've got some bumper stickers. We didn't get that at the start of the program. If you'd like one, email questions at collegeu dot com with your snail mail address. You getting any requests for those? Is that tailed off a little? That's bit? tailed off a little bit. Uh, let's get it back going again here. Questions at collegeview dot com, and you can get one for your car. Are you toting one, jo- uh, Josh, on yours? Sure. Yeah. All right, it works. People will see it, and you can help get the word out there. Questions at collegeview dot com. All right, Kevin says I've said this before. I simply want to be a patternist, simply following the words and the order given, not scrambling those words to suit my own preferred wishes. Yeah, that's right. what it gets down to, really. Yeah, is I, well, I don't like the church this way. I want to make it this way. I want to I want to in, revise, improvise, and, change and it we've around. Said, and we've said this before too. Uh, you know, if if you allow me to make one change from what I can clearly read about in the Bible, in other words, it's, it says that, but I want to do this, and you let me do it. Yeah. Well, then I can't stop you from doing what you want to do, and basically we've opened a door there that cannot be closed. Once we deviate from Bible authority, we've just opened a path that can't be stopped. All right. All right. It's like your kids with the cookies. You know, you say, kids, don't get in the cookie jar, but a junior comes up, dad can have a cookie. Yeah, well, then now all the kids are going to have a cookie, and it's not going to stop with one, just one. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go to another identifying characteristic of the New Testament church. We're looking for a church like the church we read about in the pages of the New Testament. We want to find the original church. Well, the worship is going to have to be like the worship of yeah. that first church yeah. that we read about yeah. in the Bible, and that's really important. Um, John said, in, or Jesus said in John four verse twenty four, "God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must." Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Didn't say they could if they wanted to. They felt like it this this week they could worship Him in spirit. No, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth, following the instructions He's given. Uh, if if anybody is wondering what that New Testament worship is like, you could go through our archives on uh, on the Virtual Bible Study page. Uh, we've got over 500 episodes of the Virtual Bible Study there, and and you'll find a. a, a all kinds of information on New Testament worship. But we believe, we've often said there are five acts of New Testament worship. You didn't come up with the five, it's just what we read it's about in the New Testament. just what we read about in the New Testament. There's teaching and preaching. There's singing, a cappella singing, vocal music, no instruments of music. It's what you read about in the New Testament. There's the observance of the Lord's Supper on right. the first day of the week. That. There's prayer. Yep. There's giving so on the first day of the week. five things we read about them doing collectively as yeah. a church and worship to God. Yeah. That's all we read about. Yeah. Now, for instance, what about the Lord's Supper? I was reading uh, something today where uh, a guy told about a funeral, I mean, a wedding rather, that he knew about. And, uh, no, I think it was. In fact, I think it was a funeral. It was a funeral. That, and, and the daughter of the deceased man, the funeral was on Saturday, but she wanted them to observe the Lord's Supper in the course of the funeral. And, and the preacher said, well, you know, I never heard of that before, but. Okay, we'll do it. <laughs> well, it, w- w- there's where would be that authority? 
to yeah. change the day of observing the Lord's Supper. Clearly in the New Testament, it was on the first day of the week, on the Lord's Day, Sunday. Uh, we, we don't have the authority to come along and say, I think I can change that. And if I'm going to change the day, why don't I change the elements? You know, maybe, maybe Dad, uh, he, he, he would have wanted the Lord's Supper here, but Dad was a big fan of hot dogs. And, yeah. And uh, he liked his uh, ice-cold uh, Mountain Dew or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, what about that? Can I do that? Can I change the elements? If I can change the day, why not change the elements? As you said, once you open the door, you can't get it closed. You know what's really interesting? And, and, and anybody who thinks that this is reactionary or too extreme, you know, it's interesting that church historians don't have any problem establishing what was the practice of the very early Christians. There's no argument that they met on the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper. In fact, there's no argument that they did it on a weekly basis. There's no argument that they sang without instrumental accompaniment, which, which was actually odd because coming, a lot of them coming out of Judaism were, were used to musical accompaniment in their worship and they, and they abandoned that. But church historians are unanimously in agreement about that, that the early Christians worshiped without musical accompaniment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you really want to go back and see like what it was, it's not hard to discover. But you're, if you're going to be a part of that church that's like the church, like the original church, like the church we read about in the New Testament, then you're going to have to worship like they did. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not up to us to, ch- uh, to change it. Now, if I just want to say, you know, hey, but I like the instrument, so I'm going to do that. Then the next guy comes along and says, you know, I like the instrument and I like some interpretive dance to go along with it. Well, you know, if I could have my music, why can't? Well, you know, you we're already it? we're actually seeing that in the religious world today, you know, uh uh you know, i think the old the old fashioned people who were used to just maybe an organ or a piano in worship I wonder how they're liking it now because we got full blown rock bands right. in, in worship and light now. shows and smoke generators yeah. and they don't like it. But why not? What, 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 what's the difference? Yeah. If I can, if you can have your organ, why can't I have my steel guitar or my electric guitar? Yeah. There's no difference. Why can't I have my bull riding? That's they're going doing on that in too. worship they're services. I heard about a preacher who was riding a bull in the worship service. Yeah. He got trampled. He he got thrown and trampled, which is sad. I hope he wasn't permanently injured, but. Why on the why in the world was he riding a bull in worship? Where am I reading that in my New Testament? That's not like the church I read about in my but, Bible. But, you know, that's too far. We can't go that. Well, where are you going to draw the line? If you can't, if you say that's too far, where is the line, and how do you come up with a line? And that line is going to be an arbitrary, human-drawn line, unless we say, Josh, I've got to go by the pattern. Right. Yeah, I was thinking earlier how Greg was talking about the church and the kingdom are synonymous. Uh, Jesus talked in Matthew 12, verse 25, about how every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Unity was a big thing to him. He he prayed for unity. Uh, so we can't we can't be divided. And so if we've got a pattern, and, and you know, we're trying to deviate from the pattern, then the house isn't going to stand. Yeah. You know, and, and the same way with the church. Yeah. You know, it's just common sense. I mean, if, if, if we're going to have a ball team, and play in a league. We got to know the rules and we got to abide by the rules. And that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Philip in the chat room says he references Exodus 25, verse 9. According to all that I show thee, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furniture thereof, even so shall you make it. And verse 40 of Exodus 25, and see that thou make them after their pattern, which hath been shown thee in the mount. And he references 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, where that was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Paul says, Hold the pattern of sounds, words which thou have heard from me. 
in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And he references Hebrews 8, verse 5, which we talked about earlier, where Moses was told to make things according to the it's pattern. Just, it's plain, isn't it, Philip, that God is a God of patterns and details. And there's just no doubt about and that. And again, we are, it's, it's intuitive that we would have to follow those patterns. Otherwise, anything and everything goes. I can't say, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. That's too far. The, the the weightlifting and the and the karate chopping you you, you know you used to do that the, the you know, weightlifting way for back, Jesus uh, and the several chop- years several years ago we we interviewed a, a martial arts guy who he mixed they practice arts yeah. practice mis- mixed martial arts people to a pulp in the worship in worship service oh that's too far well you can you find that? you can find those episodes on in our archives of the yeah. Virtual Bible Study guest yeah. seven forty two says a, a local mid state congregation recently began an Christmas Eve candlelight service uh, again. Can't okay. read about that, but hey, if uh, you can have your music, I can have my candlelight service. If I can, you can have your candlelight service. I can have my, you name it. Let's let's grab another uh, identifying mark of the church we're looking for. If we want to find the original church, and another principle set forth in the New Testament, what the church was like in in its beginnings was that it was congregational in organization congregations were independent there was no hierarchy of church organization at the highest earthly organization of the church that we read about in the new testament was on the local level local churches were not organically tied to other churches to a hierarchy of church authority Uh, i think that's unusual to people to talk about uh, independent, autonomous local congregations because most people in the religious world have sensed a need to organize and make it big. And so we, we have this congregation, but we're in this regional group. We're in this district uh, fellowship. Uh, we answer to the state headquarters, and the state headquarters attends the national convention. And then there's a worldwide uh, meeting of all the heads of the national. There's none of that in in the Bible. The church we're looking for, Local, independent, autonomous congregations organized at that level and that level only. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, it speaks about Paul with the churches that he helped to establish on his first missionary journey. They appointed elders in every church. And that's the only, that's the highest office in the church is elders or overseers, bishops, pastors, congregations. Yeah. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the elders are, are instructed that they're Oversight is limited to the flock of God which is among you. You can't go beyond that. Yep. Nobody has authority to oversee anything. It takes specially qualified men to even be an elder of a local congregation. But if they qualify and can serve in that very important capacity, their oversight is limited to that church and can never go beyond that. That's what we read about in the New Testament. Again, you're not making up those rules. That's what we read about. We want to follow the pattern. We want to be like the church we read about in the New Testament. The church we read about in the New Testament had elders, plural. They were men, and they were responsible for the church that was among them, not a group of churches or a region of churches but the group where they were a part of. Yeah. That's what we read about in the New Testament. Now, if we're going to say, okay, well, that's okay, but the church down the road doesn't have elders, these elders are going to oversee that church too, then you've just opened up the door. You know, this would be another great question to ask. Uh, uh, maybe some of our listeners, uh, you know, if you if this is a new concept to you, read about it in the Bible and then ask your preacher, does this church report to any higher organization and if the answer to that question is yes, then 
that's not the right church. And if it's okay to report to an, or, an organization other than elders in a local church, if there's some hierarchy, how does that look? Josh, how do I know what that's supposed to look like? Is it a CEO or the board of directors? I think they have that for churches now. Or is it some other religious organization? How does it look, and how do I know that's what God wants? I can't know that God that's what God wants. In fact, he's told me what he wants. He wants the pattern we read in the New Testament. Well, we don't know. There's no there's no pattern for that. So I think all, the, all these things we've been talking about, the organization, it's just people have got the idea that, well, business works well this way. We've got a CEO, we've got a CFO, and we've got managers, and a trickle, and they try to set up the church like a business or a social club, and that's not the way God intended it. But at again, all. It's, a, it's, it's this problem that we mentioned earlier. It's the idea of imagining that I can come up with a better plan than God did. Right. You know, yep. God, God probably fell a little bit short there. He, if he'd have thought about that a little more thoroughly, he would have given us this. Or, so we're going we're gonna to do it for him. Yep. Wow, how presumptuous is that? All right, we're going to get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. We're going to have to go fast on the other side of the break, so you want to stay tuned and you want to hold on tight. Kevin says, I'm acquainted with some men in a group that had a pastor. They were recently looking at establishing elders at a lower level than that pastor. How yeah, does that work? No, notice that, uh, and again, we don't have time to study that tonight, but pastor and elder are interchangeable terms. And we always read about a plurality of elders in a congregation, not a single pastor. So, uh, again, there's a group that's got it wrong. They're not looking to the Bible and seeing the pattern in, of the of the church that's recorded. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll get a break and get your thoughts. We're going to the top of the hour. Right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world and will overtake Christianity as the most popular religion before the end of this century. That's according to an analysis of religious surveys published by the Pew Research Center. With 1.6 billion, Muslims made up 23% of the world's population, according to the 2010 Pew Estimate. That figure was still a good bit short of the 2.2 billion Christians, which comprised 31% of the population. However, by 2050, there could be near parity between the numbers of adherents of the two religions in history. That information is via International Business Times. The Word of God says in 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program as we talk about uh, the true, ch- the one true church we read about in the New Testament, the New Testament church. And again, we want to be a part of that church. God is concerned. Christ died for that church. Obviously, we want to be a part of it. Let's go. Let's, we're going to have, as you said earlier, we're going to have to go a little quicker here to get all of these points in. 
Another identifying characteristic that I think is so obvious that you'd want to look for is that you'd be wanting to look for a church that has a name that you find in the New Testament. Yeah. You know, as you said earlier, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been pretty well through the New Testament. I can't find Lutheran church. I can't find Methodist church. Uh, I can't find Presbyterian church. Well, that ought to be, I mean, why would I have to look any harder than that? Is that if I'm attending a church that has a name that I can't even read in the Bible, it seems like that would be... If, that, oh, it's not that important. Oh, it's not. Well, then let's call the church the Church of Satan. How's that? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. We'll call it the Church of Satan? Or? Well, the obviously not. But, I mean, if you can change it, why not change why not? it to what everything you want? Why you know, the, the Church of Christ. Yeah. You know, when I took a bride, I wanted her, I, I wanted her to take my name... I sure didn't want her to take some other man's name. Yeah. You know, uh, people wouldn't put up with that in their bride yeah. wearing some other man's name. Well, why would we think that the Lord would want the church to wear a name other than his? Now, we're not saying, well, uh, first, I would identify that the Church of Christ is a biblical name. Romans sixteen sixteen talking about several local congregations. It says the churches of Christ salute you. So I, we believe that that Church of Christ is a biblical. It's not the only biblical name. No, it's not it's, at all. There, there's names. There are many such names. as churches, the Church of the Firstborn, Church of God. Uh, there are different names. So we're not saying that we have an exclusive handle on the only name that you could use. But I'm saying if you're looking for a church. Like the church you're reading about the Bible, it'd have to wear a biblical name. Absolutely. Uh, if you, if it doesn't, then, as we said, anything goes. I think you maybe mentioned you had a, a list of some of those crazy names that are out yeah. there. Yeah, there's just all kinds the of The church names. of what's happening now. Yeah. Sounds like a fun place to be, but I don't think that God would uh, necessarily like that. All right. That, that's an easy one. I think it's really an easy one. I, I, I'm a little bit befuddled that people are not particular about that, you know. Yeah. I, I think... That's so easy. And if, you know, you could eliminate the vast majority of so-called Christian religious organizations just by going down through a list of the names. And if the name's not a biblical name, cross it off. It can't be the right church. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. All right. All right. Uh, if it's a church that you read about in the Bible, then the terms of entrance must be in harmony with what the Bible says. In other words, how do I get in that church? How do I become a part of that church? Okay. Uh, uh, you know, so what, what if a guy said, well, we're starting this church, and if you want to be a member of it, you've got to be able to walk on your hands for, uh, you know, 25 yards. Yeah. Oh, man, most of us are out because not many, many people can walk on their hands like right. that. You know, right. I never was able to. We used to have to try to do that in gym class in school. You did. I would just fell and smash my nose every time. Yeah. You know, I could, I could not do that. It, but, you know, if you're going to make your own rules for entrance into right. this church, you can do whatever you want. But the Bible right. tells what it takes to enter the church that we read about in the Bible. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. So you, you have to do what's necessary to be saved. Well, that's another question. In fact, uh, recently we did a virtual Bible study on what must I do to be saved, yeah. the plan of salvation. Right. Uh, uh, and so... Uh, Again, lots of archives in the virtual Bible study about that. But if they're teaching that you can come to this church in different ways, a lot of a lot of these um, modern interdenominational churches, 
really don't care what you do uh, or or what you have done. They're just open. They're sort of an open fellowship. You may have been baptized. Maybe you haven't been baptized. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Maybe you were sprinkled. Maybe you were immersed. And it doesn't matter. Well, it matters to the Lord. He's a God of detail, as we've been saying all night long. And therefore, if you're going to be a member of the church that you read about in the Bible, you would have to do what those first century Christians did under the teaching and instruction of the inspired apostles. They had to be taught. They had to hear the truth. They had to believe it. They had to repent of their sins. They had to confess their faith in Jesus. They were baptized for the remission of sins. And and once they were thus saved, the Lord added them to the church. It's only logical. If you're going to say that uh, you that, that I, I want to be a part of a church that does something that's not that I can't read about in the New Testament in order to be saved, I have to pay some membership dues or I have to join some diocese or whatever it is, then, Josh, anything goes. The yeah. standing on your head, the walking on your hands, whatever. It's, it seems like a really simple point, but there's so many people that are missing it, I think. I yeah. mean, if we, if you and I created a club, we could call that club by our name. We could come up with any kind of anything you'd have to do to right. get in that club. Right. But the church isn't yours or mine. It's Christ. Right. So we call it by his name. And the way to get in that church is going to be according to his his powers and his gospel. Absolutely. Real quickly, uh, adding some more to this, we're, we're adding a list of identifying characteristics uh, of what we'd look for in a church, like the church you read about in the Bible. We've, we've talked about it had to, it, to find this church, you'd have to find a church established in the first century, worships according to the scriptural pattern set forth in the New Testament, congregational in organization, that is, only local, independent, autonomous congregation, at least wears a biblical name. It it teaches the truth about what you must do to be saved to get into that church. And this church, of this church, there is only one. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's only one true church. That's the, And that's the one we've been trying to talk about tonight. There's just one true church. There's not a lot of different ones. You can't say, well, maybe we can eliminate... 80% of the groups that call themselves Christian, but there's still 20% of them out there, and I could choose between those. No, there's actually only one. Jesus promised to build only one. Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my churches. He said, I will build my church. And then we could go through an argument. We've done this before. I don't know if we have time to do it. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Jesus uh, has been made head over the church, which is his body. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, the church is the body. And then Ephesians 4, verse 4 says there's just one body. Yeah, Pretty clear that there's sing- this church of the New Testament, this original church is singular in nature. Right, right. And the next point is very closely associated with that. And it's non-denominational. Yeah. Non-denominational. I, uh, Josh, what I always like to do when I'm describing denominationalism is go way back to elementary school math class when we studied uh, fractions. Uh, Remember uh, fractions. The top part was the numerator line. Bottom part was the denominator. The denominator is what did the dividing. If you had a fraction 2 over 3, that literally means 2 divided by 3. Right. The denominator is a divisive thing. It's a dividing thing. And the Lord prayed uh, that his disciples would not be divided, yeah. that they'd be one, that they'd be perfectly united like he and the Father are united in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. The church you read about in the Bible is not a denomination, is not denominated. 
Right, yeah, in John chapter 17. I pray, neither pray I thee for these alone, but also for them which shall believe on, my, on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, that is not the picture of the modern denominational world that we see today. Are, the, world, the religious world is not one. The, the Episcopal Church and the Greek Orthodox Church and the Anglican Church, they're doing different things. They're, they're nowhere, not, uni- they're uh, they're not they're united. Not, they're nowhere closely uh, uh, aligned, and that is not what Jesus wanted. Yeah. All right. But people seem to think denominationism is okay. It's okay we're divided. You, you do what you want to do, Josh. I'll do what I want to do, whatever makes you happy. And we're doing exactly that. It's not what Jesus wanted. All right. All right, real quickly, this church that we read about in the Bible, if we're looking for the original church, the original church had a specific mission, a specific work to do. It was, And in fact, again, you can look in the archives of the Virtual Bible Study, and we, we have whole programs on the work of the church. But the work of the church is identified in three broad areas, to evangelize the lost, to edify or strengthen those who are already Christians, and to do a limited work of benevolence. The church is not a general benevolent society, but to do a limited work of benevolence. And if the church you're a part of is doing something that's outside of those three simple categorical areas, then that's not right. Not enough time to talk about that tonight, but but, uh, check our archives for that. And we'll do it again in the future. If you've got questions about that, we'd love to talk to you about it. Just send us an email or... Give us a phone call. And in our last couple of minutes, I just want to point out that the church that we read about in the Bible, that original church that we're trying to identify, we want to just end the discussion by saying it is necessary, an optional thing. Now, this is interesting because you read a lot about people who, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I love Jesus, but But I I hate the church. I don't go to church. I'm not big on organized religion. I don't like that organized religion stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about that? Uh, Well... You mentioned, Josh, earlier, Acts 20, verse 28, it, it's the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. Uh, I want to tell you, I'm not going to go so close. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tread on that ground that says, I don't think it's important. When Jesus shed his blood to purchase it, it's got to be important, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, he spent his his life teaching people, living a perfect life, perfect sacrifice to to save people that would obey him. And the church is a group of saved people, so that tells me I've got to be in the church if I want to be in yeah. a group of saved people. You yeah. know, I mean, that that's what his purpose was for. So for us to say, oh, it's not important, I don't have to be a part of the church, then you're missing the whole point, I think. Here's a quick way to look at it. Galatians 3.27, we're baptized into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, we're baptized into the one body. Ephesians 1, verses 22. 2 and 23, the body is the church. So we're baptized into the church. We're baptized into the body. We're baptized into Christ. So to be in Christ is to be in his body in the church. Okay. So what do I, so being in the church is the same as being in Christ. In Christ, in his church, we have all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1, verse 3. We have redemption, Colossians 1, 13. We have forgiveness, Ephesians 1, 7. We have salvation, 2 Timothy 2, 10. We have sanctification, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. We have reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. Someone says, yeah, but I don't think the church is important. Well, if the church is not important, then you're you're missing all of those necessary things because if you're in Christ, you're in his church, 
and that's where these blessings are found. All spiritual blessings. All right. Uh, it is very important. It's, uh, and we're not saying that to be exclusive, like we can be in it, you can't kind of thing. We're saying that that's what Christ uh, is established. That's what he said, and we've got to make sure that we're doing what he said. Kent, in his email from Calhoun, Georgia, says, The identifying marks of the one true church are found in origin, proper designations, doctrine, worship, and work. Religious groups that cannot find their identifying marks within the scriptures, the proper designations, doctrine, worship, and work, do not constitute the New Testament church. I think you're exactly right, Kent. Thank you, Kent, for that. All right, we are out of time, but it is important that we understand what the New Testament church looked like, and that we're part of a church that looks like that New Testament church. Otherwise, we've got a couple of final comments in the yeah. chat room. Uh, um, guest 742 says, in other words, if you're the two, beware of the three creeping in with a different doctrine to divide. He was talking about my example of the fraction two and yeah. three. Yeah. Kevin said, I want to be in the whole, not in a denomination or a part. And 742 says one third would be the better example, perhaps. Yeah. I think right. Thank you all for those uh, comments tonight, and uh, thank you for being a part of the program. Josh, thank you for being here as well. Appreciate your comments tonight. Thanks for having me. For your help. And, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Enjoyed it. We hope you benefited from our study of discussion of God's Word. Again, we invite you, if you've got questions or comments, or maybe you disagree with something that you heard, send an email, questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.